1: How are video games showing promise when used to motivate behavior changes in children's diets? Joining us to discuss an innovative approach to behavior modification in children through video games is Professor of Pediatrics at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, Dr. Tom Baranowski. Dr. Baranowski, welcome to ReachMD.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Tom, let's just start off with uh, obesity and type 2 diabetes in children. You know, what is the status in terms of statistics and challenges for our healthcare professionals?
2: Sure. Uh, approximately a third of all children in the United States are overweight or obese. Uh, in inner-city middle schools where we've collected data on prevalence, half the children were overweight or or obese. Uh, there's a huge increase in the risk for being an adult, for being obese as an adult, if you're obese at 10 years of age. Obese children are at increased risk of diabetes and metabolic syndrome. Obese adults are at risk of cardiovascular disease, several cancers, and a variety of other illnesses. I was reading a uh, report just yesterday that indicated that uh, obesity uh, cost the United States in two thousand and nine three hundred billion dollars. This is a dire situation
1: yeah, you know what and when kids get obese at a young age, I mean they they have to live with all the risk factors as time goes on and um, you 're right, this is a serious issue well let 's talk about video games because. You know, many people out there, including myself, you know, when I see, uh, I have two daughters, but my friends that have t- boys, they're on their video games like eight hours a day, and that's not good. So how could we turn this around? I know, I know you're interested in that.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, well, most obesity prevention programs uh, that have been tried in the last 10, 15 years uh, have not worked. Uh, frankly, most of them are boring. Uh, We need new interventions, new approaches to capture and maintain the attention of children. Uh, Video games... Uh, provide an, an interesting alternative, approximate, well, there, there, in the United States, there's more money spent on video games than there are on Hollywood movies, so there's a broad-based interest in video games, and the question that, uh, that we'd like to answer would be, how can we optimally design video games, how can we capture this technology to promote behavior change, not just to promote uh, entertainment?
1: Well, let's talk about uh, specifics. I want to say nano warm. So tell us about that. You know, invasion from inner space. I, I love that stuff.
2: Terrific. Well, nano swarm. Uh, the this was a five year development process. Uh, we started off with focus groups with uh, middle school students in the in inner city Houston and in rural North Carolina. We thought that uh, these would be diametrically posed kinds of groups and we'd get a mass, maximally diverse set of opinions about the issues that we were trying to raise. We uh, brought to each group of children uh, three different storylines for two different games, so six different storylines. Each storyline was about three minutes long and we, pre- we presented comedy, mystery, and action-adventure versions of a story. Uh, To our enormous surprise, the children in inner-city Houston provided virtually identical information to the children from uh, rural North Carolina, and uh, they selected the uh, action-adventure story for, for, for use. Uh, We then took that action advent, the two action adventure storylines, we, uh, spread them into nine minute storylines, provided more detail, went back to the kids and solicited their further information for what, you know, what are they expecting in a story? What, what should a good action adventure have that would capture the interest of children? Uh, the stories that were expected were rather stereotypical. Uh, the, the boys and the girls told us that they wanted a love interest, that, uh, that a male needs to rescue a female. Uh, when we we brought artwork with us, and we were told that uh, you know the pants need to be halfway down uh, the backside, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was it was fascinating. We we didn't do many of those kinds of things because we didn't think that the NIH would uh, uh, would be excited about that kind of a video game. But we, we took that information and then we, we incorporated into the game everything we knew about behavior change uh, uh, within, and, and tried to capture that within a video game context.
1: Well, give a little more details about what kind of behavioral protocols were considered in the development of these games. And, and give, us an, give us an example, because I think all of us out there have patients who have kids that are heavy or there are pediatric folks out there as well.
2: Uh There are a variety of behavioral theories that have been proposed to explain uh, behavior change. Uh, We try to use four different theories that deal with different aspects of behavior change and try to maximize the effect of the video game using those theories. So one of those theories is called social cognitive. A key component of social cognitive theory is what's called self-control. Self-control essentially deals with can you control your own behavior and how can we help you do that? So there are some change processes called goal-setting, problem-solving, self-monitoring that uh, that have been devised and are very effective with adults. And uh, there's reason to believe that they could be effective with children. And so we incorporated all of those procedures into the game. Uh, we did something called... Uh, Uh, behavioral inoculation. And uh, behavioral inoculation is essentially tempting the child not to do a behavior and then to turn around and give the reason mentally a reason why they might want to do the behavior. And the research suggests that in the process of doing that, that that enables the child to fend off temptations in the future. The way we did that was... um, We used another theory called self-determination theory that suggests that people do behaviors for reasons that are very important to them, uh, particularly values and reasons. So values are things that guide your life. And if we could tie values to children's behavior, we're much more likely to get the kids to want to do that, something called intrinsic motivation. There are a variety of theories that have been proposed for understanding and promoting behavior change. And uh, Diab and Nano include uh, everything that we knew about how to include in a video game to uh, to promote behavior change.
1: Hey, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discord course on reach md xm 160 the channel for medical professionals i am dr steven edelman i'm speaking with my good friend and colleague dr tom Baranowski. we are discussing an innovative approach to behavior change incorporating video games for children now how did you get involved in this were you one of those kids that just could, you couldn't get off the video games all day
2: i uh, i'm sorry to report that i'm not a gamer games have an enormous attraction to children. It's just obvious that we need to learn how to use that technology. And, and frankly, there was a colleague at CDC when I was uh, in Atlanta who, uh, who, who said, Tom, the, the future is in interactive multimedia. You've got to learn how to use it. And I, I took his message seriously.
1: Well, in terms of uh, designing the clinical research what were some of the, let's talk about some of the results and some of the other uh, techniques you used in designing these games that may have led to those results.
2: Well, we uh, our research design was a two-group design. We, uh, we had 153 children who participated. Uh, 103 of those children were randomly assigned to a treatment group. Uh, and received the games, uh, 50 were assigned to the control group and uh, received alternative games. We assigned them uh, video games that were on the Internet but that we didn't believe were promoting behavior change. Uh, we assessed their behavior and their beliefs uh, prior to playing the games, after playing the first game, after playing the second game, and then two months later. Uh, we used the best, best methods that we knew how to assess diet and physical activity. We used multiple 24-hour recalls and accelerometers, which are little gadgets that measure activity in children. And what we showed was that... Um, the, the, the primary outcome was that uh, the children who played the game increased their consumption of fruits and vegetables by uh, two-thirds of a serving a day. That's, uh, that's not the best that's been reported in the literature, but it's among the best uh, increases in fruit and vegetable consumption that's been reported in the literature.
1: But what about activity? Did they increase their activity?
2: One way of analyzing the data showed that uh, the children increased their moderate to vigorous physical activity by 10 minutes a day.
1: What about the Wii game, Tom? Um, You know, I mean, I have one at home, and whenever I do it, I'm usually sore the next day because I'm swinging the baseball too hard. have Have they thought about developing these type of games for young kids in terms of preventing diabetes or obesity?
2: We we're currently engaged in a study doing exactly that. Uh, This is also a two-group study. Uh, All participating children get a Wii console, which enhances their uh, compliance with our requests to unbelievable heights. Uh, The the children in the treatment group are getting choices from active video games that they could play and children in the control group get choices of inactive video games that they could play and uh, we're monitoring their physical activity for five different weeks over a 12 week period we're particularly interested in whether video games are a method of promoting physical activity for children who live in unsafe neighborhoods where moms don't want them to go outside and if they can't go outside do video games provide them with a have an alternative uh, that uh, could do physical activity within the home.
1: Just briefly, what, what do we tell our healthcare professionals listening to the show today uh, to recommend to the parents right now? Can you get these other video games that you used in your research?
2: we developed the video games with a company. It looks like it's going to be distributed through schools, that the games will be distributed as part of a package, which will have other educational materials, uh, but that hasn't been finalized yet. Uh, anybody interested in seeing trailers for the games can see trailers on the on a website. Uh, if they go to Uh there are tra- two-and-a-half, three-minute trailers of a variety of video games that we've developed.
1: Well, thank you, Tom. I'd like to thank our guest, Professor of Pediatrics at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, Dr. Tom Baranowski. Dr. Baranowski, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse.
2: Thank you so much for allowing me to share our work. Thank
0: you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash D-I-A. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. In last week's class, we talked about how diabetes affects the whole person, and we left off with an important question. Are we looking at every part of diabetes? Uh, To help us answer this question, I've invited one of my colleagues as a guest speaker, Dr. Jackie Brennan, who has been practicing endocrinology for over 25 years.
3: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here to discuss a key issue in diabetes, whether or not we're looking at the whole picture. As you know, sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. Weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction are also part of the problem. Specifically, I'd like to talk about GLP-1 and how it impacts multiple systems affected by diabetes. Can anyone tell me more about it?
0: Yes, Jamie, go ahead.
3: GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 are critical to glucose control. Exactly. In a glucose-dependent manner, GLP-1 stimulates the beta cells in the pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibits the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. Anyone know what else it does?
1: What about you, Sam? Yeah, doesn't it help control weight by slowing gastric emptying and inducing a feeling of satiety?
3: Yes, And GLP-1 may also play a role in improving beta cell function, a key to slowing diabetes progression. But why is this so important? It's because at diagnosis, type 2 diabetes patients have already lost 50% of beta cell function.
1: Well, isn't impaired GLP-1 physiology also part of the problem in diabetes?
3: Yes, that's a great point. People with type 2 diabetes may have impaired GLP-1 activity and or impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. This could contribute to problems that develop over time. That's why the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. GLP-1 regulates blood sugar in a glucose-dependent manner, may help control weight, and may improve beta cell function. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about the latest treatment available from Novo Nordisk, please visit glp1analog.com.